Yeah. We, we are the epitome of black female love. Yeah. It's easy for us as, as black women to, to hold up the banner and the call for everyone else. But again, who's, who holds up the banner and the calls for That we as a black church are perpetuating the mm -hmm. same behavior as a patriarchal evangelicals have been yes, doing. Hello, 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 ladies. Hello. Dr. Wright, we'll start with you. You um your, your team won on Sunday, but you you still <laughs> like hanging out with the Miami people. Um, well, you know, I came down to really just offer some consoling to them. I still love Tyreek Hill and he's running around down here. Um but I'm gonna be going home soon. But uh, <laughs> what about them Chiefs? You know, I really, really, I was so excited for them to win. And I'm excited for them to win the Super Bowl again. I bet you okay. are. All right. I wanted you to just go ahead and get that over with. I like the cheese, but I was I was a Lamar, um, yeah. pulling for Lamar this time around. I needed him to get that monkey off his back. So, um, so. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you all, before I ask you, Wallace, how you're doing, I want to share something. I am so proud of myself for today. I did this for the first time ever. Those of you who are listening, let us know where you where you're what city you're in, where you're listening from. But you all look at this. OK, I made my first ever apple pie. From <laughs> look good. Oh, so so oh my goodness so i'm i'm you know i i i'm a i i do i'm the potato pie i can make the potato pies it just takes a while because i don't have to get all the strings out and all those other things but today was my first ever apple pie and it was phenomenal if i have to say so myself my, my, my crust my crust was flaky right oh my god so okay so <laughs> I'm so excited. So excited for myself. So, okay. So, Wallace, how you doing? <laughs> I'm well. I'm well. Grateful, thankful, and blessed um, to be here today. I'm I'm uh, looking forward to some of this conversation we're going to have today. <laughs> hot, hot, hot topics. Wow. What's, the, what's the hot topic that's, that's pressing you? Uh, the most. What, what? What is it? What is it? What is it? It's Gina Stewart, girl. What you think? Um, you. Uh, I don't know how many people uh, follow uh, Freddie Haynes out of Dallas, but if you've not seen Sunday service, I recommend it for every female to, especially if you're in ministry, to to go back and check that out. But yeah, Gina Stewart, I. I'm going to try to be Claudia today. <laughs> and just send a note. You know, I ain't going to say nothing. I'm going to just send a note. So, I mean, so you'll need to fill me in. I Obviously, you know, I'm familiar with um, Dr. Haynes. I haven't been in pastor in Texas, but, but don't... Um, um, uh, don't don't go back and listen to him. So so, what was it that that he did or, or said? He was um, uh, really affirming of women, and he compared the black the National Baptist Convention with the evangelicals, and um, he had some choice words about folk with white Jesus. Uh, it was it was extremely um, affirming of of women. Um, okay. And went through um, history. He went through the biblical text. Um, he came out of the Ephesians. Um, so it, it was a. It, well, I I I enjoy that kind of uh, social justice 
type uh, preaching. Okay. Mm. Okay. Well, that's good. I, I find it um, so very interesting with some of the comments um, that um, have come regarding Dr. Stewart and, and where the name Claudia came from and that is not in the Bible. And it's like, okay, um, it, you know, those kinds of conversations are just kind of humorous to me because it lets me know that people are, are not doing the necessary research in their Ooh. own kind of sermonic uh, preparation uh, to talk about um, the fact that, you know, if you do, if you, if you do a little bit of history, you know, you, you do a little bit of digging uh, to be able that, you know, that you're able to find those kinds of answers, um, oh, but to, um, but just to be disparaging, just, you know, I, yeah, yeah. But history was um, made and she showed up and showed out and represented us well. I also really appreciate it. There was someone who um, did a, posted a, um, um, uh, I saw a post on Facebook and it included um, Bishop Ashton McKenzie, um, Claude, um, oh, I'm about to um, call her, yes, thank you, um, and Dr. Dr. Aon Locke and others, and essentially, and including Dr. Gina Stewart. And, and, and it becomes this thing of, of saying, hey, uh, 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 preachers who are women have been around for a long time. And Dr. Gina Stewart, this was not, quote, a breakthrough you know, opportunity for her. She's been right. preaching for decades and doing it well. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, it, it just, it, you know, that, that if we allow it, you know, that we can begin to make, you know, we, we be, then as women, if we're not careful, we will allow ourselves to be minimized to mm -hmm. thinking that, okay, this is something new, but women have been trailblazers in the gospel ministry for a long time. And, but the fact that here we are in 2024 now, and it is still an issue of discussion as though whatever you're saying is going to stop women from preaching. It, oh, it didn't stop right. Mary at the tomb and it won't stop those who, who are, are the ones that are, are, mm -hmm. that are part of your generation, my generation, and, and the three generations that are behind behind all of us. And so I um I just yeah, I just think that that go ahead. I'm go sorry. Ahead. I was no, about to say things really talked about the women uh who were the first preachers, the women who um were with Jesus and all the men scattered. Uh, mm -hmm. he did an excellent, excellent, excellent job uh in my mind. Of, of uplifting um <laughs> and he, he said if you can't handle a woman preacher you 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 you're not securing yourself wow. yeah it was it was uh it was very enlightening and I, I well affirming i'll say that not enlightening more so affirming okay all right okay what else you got on your mind wallace Oh Lord, that forty-five got to pay out. I know we we not mm -mm. we will not take up our time with that one. All right, okay. What else is on your mind? Okay, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. All right. You know we will not. We will not talk about Mr. Orange. We will not. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm good All with right. that. I'm good with that. I'm just glad the money going. Well, not forgets the nomination, and so um, it'll have a whole pot. Uh, Dr. Wright, I believe we have somebody wonderful. I do want to um, get back to football, and thank you, Yvonne Williams, in saying, um, ladies, what, yes, she wants Baltimore to win, too. Somebody got to win. Somebody's got to lose. And so, yeah, I was, I was pulling for a Ravens-Lions uh, Super Bowl. I, I like the, the stories behind both of those teams and uh, have my thoughts on the coach uh, losing the game. Um, but uh, but mm. yeah, so here we are. So Dr. Wright, we have a wonderful guest backstage. Will you introduce our guest for us, please? We absolutely do have a phenomenal guest, a uh, young lady whose name is Sharita Herring. And Sharita has been around for quite some time, just really being a blessing to 
uh, individuals who want to start businesses, individuals who who want to set up legacy for their families, um, and just giving us some wisdom that that truly, truly we need to have. And so um, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a bio. Bio it is very extensive, and so. Uh, uh, I don't want to sell her short, that's for sure. Uh, Sharita Heron is a sought-after speaker, motivator, best-selling author, radio personality, and business strategist. She possesses more than 30 years of community and economic development experience, has raised over $30 million for global projects, and has served as a business strategist for global leaders, city officials, chambers of commerce, and hundreds of businesses, non-for-profits, and church leaders across the U.S. and in more than 14 countries. Operating by her you are your only limitation, Y-A-Y-O-L. Sharita proves there's no limit to the accomplishments you can achieve when it comes to impacting and making a difference. She's not only built her own career on doing exactly what she loves to do every day, Sharita expertly helps others live out loud in their passion. Amazingly, she accomplishes this by showing you how to procure profit for your passion by securing funding from five or funding from the other investors and grant funders. She has proved strategic expansion and tactical approaches for businesses and large and small municipalities to execute com complex economic development strategies for enhanced business retention, infrastructure, restoration, commerce, attraction, and tourism. Since 1984, Sharita has tirelessly built, worked behind the scenes, proving coaching and strategizing with some of the top social entrepreneurs, celebrities, professional athletes, and organizers in the world, including former president of Mexico, Vincent Fox, UN Ambassador Brian Blake, Parliament Representatives of Trinidad, Parliamentary representatives of Trinidad, legendary actress Tippi Hedren, Oscar winners Hillary Swank, NFL great Jim Brown, NBA star Jalen Rose, Hall of Famer Bootsy Collins, and the list goes on and on and on. This young lady is so amazing and she has quite a repertoire. And I'm excited that she's here tonight to share with us. Ladies, get your pens, get your paper, because you're going to want to take notes. And um, we just want to take this opportunity to welcome to Timely Wisdom and introduce Miss Sharita Heron. Hi. Oh, since I'm wearing different hats, I forgot. I need to put this one on today. <laughs> Thank you, ladies, for having me on. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. I, You have done so many awesome things, but one of the things that stands out in my mind that I'm, I'm most excited about is this last journey, pre-COVID, uh, that you started. You were living in Beverly Hills, doing what you do, um, living the life. And what happened? Tell us yeah. about it. Well, I was I, I've been in L.A., 30 years. I'm a homegirl of Kansas City, Missouri. Go Chiefs! <laughs> and I, I moved to Los Angeles in Ju on July 19th, 1988, as a single mom, two young sons who are now 43 and 45. And after 30 years in Los Angeles, uh, in 2018, I think it's the end of 2017 and into 20, I moved from LA to the country here in Arkansas. And I mean, I am just... Truly, I mean, it's a little bit just being a, a cliche. I am living my best life. I truly am. So, yeah. So, but where did you move to? Is that the family farm? It is. Okay. My grandmother and her 13 siblings were born right here in the old house that's still standing that I'm getting ready to rehab. And um, she was born, in, I think, in 1912. And she was the sixth child. So that shows you how long this land has been in my family. I still haven't found the original deed, but there, uh, from from my research and just family, I think my great grandfather, Bay uh, Kennedy, had um, moved his 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 wife here from South Carolina in like 1898. So that's how long the fam the land has been here. But you guys, 
The land had been sitting so, here since 1975. So eight, now, hold on a second. So, so you actually have generational land. Absolutely. And that's why. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's right up under thirty acres. I think it, I think they said on the on the survey it's 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 twenty eight point seven or something like that acres. Yes, yes. Wow. wow. It's it's just it, the story is just so amazing. Um, and I thought about this Beverly Hills to the barnyard um, years ago. What was that green acres? The ladies. Yeah. Darling, I love you, but give me Park Avenue. Give me Park Avenue. <laughs> and you know what's crazy about that, Dr. Wright, is that who we are shows up in our life. God reveals who we are by the time we're five. You know, with me doing uh, grants uh, for the past 30 years or so, I've learned that through statistics, it even says that we are who we are. We start showing up of who we truly are by the time we're five years old. Like if you're a little girl that loves to comb hair, you'll probably grow up and, and, and be a beautician. Well, ever since I was a little girl, I love being outdoors. I love being barefoot. My brothers and I used to play in, in, behind our old house and we'd be in the woods. And I always loved that. Growing up, I loved animals. Even in Los Angeles, I had a quarter horse uh, and rode with a guy that I was dating. And I loved being at the stables more than him. But he was shocked because he had only seen me as a speaker. So we always show up. I'm just so grateful that it's amazing how God has allowed me to be here now and doing all my passions and still doing my business from right here. Well, so you, you mentioned animals. Go ahead and let our viewing audience know about the animals that you have. And again, oh for those God. who just for those who are just coming in, um, she is on generational land from 1898. Just just say it again. Somebody missed it. Say it again. Yes, just yes, just tell us about that. I'm on generational land. And since about 1898, my like I said, my grandmother and her 13 siblings were born here. But what's truly amazing, ladies, I have walked this land and cried so much. Even to get ready to talk about it, I have to hold in my emotions because of the 14 siblings that were born here, there's probably 65, 70 first cousins from that generation, not to mention second and third cousins. How am I here? You know, and, and I walk this land, I'm like, Lord, how? And so I, I constantly say, Lord, don't let me miss something where I need to just praise you and thank you because ladies, I've cried so many tears of joy. One time my sister called me and she said, what's wrong with you? I said, girl, now I understand why big mama walk around the house saying I can't help it. I can't help it, you know? Mm. <laughs> Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what else, ladies? My great grandfather, who was original on this land, who built the barn and everything, he died in 1975. This land had been sitting here since then, and I didn't even realize that it was still in my family until 2018. My God. Yeah. What was wow. that? Wow. What? What? Oh, hold on a second, right? She, I, I'd asked her to backtrack, but she was going to tell us about all the animals she has. <laughs> I have, um, the last I counted, because I keep hatching more eggs, I have 48 chickens, um, 48 chickens, four ducks, a guinea, two cats, five dogs, two goats. And um, the one on the way. I, I've got, both of my goats are pregnant. I brought a male goat here, and because I want to make goat cheese, I want to make goat soap. I want to make goat milk candles and make it an experience also for when people come here to the to the what's called the barnyard. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. So making that decision. Oh, go ahead. Did you want to say something, Dr. Burns? Okay, I'm sorry. What um just just prompted you to even want to to make this challenge? Because you were born and raised in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. So how did you find out about the land being available in Arkansas? Well, I'm a speaker and a teacher, uh, a motivator, and I also teach about business development and, uh, and community sustainability. So I was traveling the country, was just leaving DC at, at a conference, and my uncle, who was the mayor of a small town here in Arkansas, called me and he said, well, look, are, are you still on tour? And I said, yes, and this was in 2017. And he said, well, can you come through Arkansas uh, me and my staff, we want to go after this grant to get a road put through our town and maybe you can do a, a workshop with us. So already I'd been looking to leave 
uh, California. I really wanted a slower life. I wanted country life. And I built my business so that I could do work from anywhere in the world virtually like we're on now. I was even looking at living in, in the countryside outside of Paris because I love Paris. I have uh, many contacts in Paris. So I, I had even started kind of breaking it to my boys that I might go live in the country in, in Paris. So anyway, again, God lines us up. Our journey is being so prepared for us, no matter how we think we're making decisions. And so I came on to Arkansas, had planned to stay just the weekend and trained his staff. Matter of fact, you guys, they ended up getting the grant and now that town has a brand new road through it. And, um, but I didn't write the grant. I just did the training uh, with him and the staff. And so while I was here and with the work that I had done, my uncle would say, well, you know, with all this work and your and your, your dad also was born here on this land, you know, Shub, I just might, my nickname is Shuby. And he said, Shub, I just might want to give you an acre because you've done so much work for me. Well, that ended up not happening, you know, with a whole lot of other things. There were just some complications. So now I'm looking through the newspaper for some land because I've decided, I think that I've made this decision, right? I've decided that I want to live in Arkansas. And so now I'm talking to my aunt, Janetta Bradley. Uh, some of you may know her. She's, she's my idol, has always been since I was a little girl. And I'm talking to her and she's like, babe, what you doing? I said, wait, man, I'm looking through this newspaper. I, I think I want to go in and stay here in Arkansas and I'm looking for some land. And she says, well, baby, you know that land is still up there in those sticks. I said, what land? <laughs> and she said, big mama's land, grandpa babe's land. And ladies, I had taken a bath in the tub in that kitchen that's over in that old house. I use the outhouse that's still standing on this land. I'm like, what? So now I rush up here. I want to see the land. I tell her, auntie, I will, I will lease the land instead of paying someone else. But now, fast, go back some years. I developed her nonprofit. She had a child care center. I got her for her first grant there in her child care center there on um, 63rd and Truce there in Kansas City. Okay. And ladies, you don't know that the when you're putting in the work and you're doing it just because you're doing it because you know it's the right thing to do. You don't know how it's going to affect you later. Mm -hmm. Ladies, instead of getting an acre of land, I got almost 30 donated to me. Donated to me. My God. Family land. That means way more than anything else I could have bought. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it, it, I'm still amazed in how it transpired. Yes, there's a couple of couple of a uh, couple of questions. Hold, stay in that flow. Um, okay. One young lady wants to know. Uh, she says, "This is amazing. Where in Arkansas are you?" I am about almost an hour, a little less than an hour from Little Rock. It's called a town, Hattieville. Now, if I can share a story with her real quick about that, you mentioned Green Acres when we've talked before. My two favorite shows growing up were Green Acres and Petticoat Junction. Oh, I wanted oh, to hell. be one of those sisters, Billy Joe, Betty Joe, Bobby Joe. I was calling myself Shuby Joe. I mean, I just wanted to be one of those sisters. And I was told that I couldn't be one of those sisters because they're white, right? So see, when we don't see ourselves in something, we will be torn down. We have to know that we can be anything we want to be. So I kind of took that out of my mind as I grew up. But it was Hooterville, right? Because even Green Acres was right outside of Hooterville. Yes. You guys, there isn't a Hooterville anywhere in the world, but God gave me something so close. I'm in Hattieville. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Another young lady asked, "Have you do you ever think that you would consider to buying a llama and having a llama on your property?" I love llamas, but they spit. And so, so that's, why, that's why I don't want a llama because see, all my animals roam free except my goats. And it's only because I want to keep them safer. But when I do let them loose, they're free and they're among my dogs, cats, chickens and everything because I'm creating a free range petting zoo. And I don't want something that can cause a problem for any of my guests. Right. Because just like Dr. Wright, when you came here, you were able to sit among the chickens and even people that that have grown up in Arkansas have come and sat here for hours and said, Sharita, I grew up with chickens. I wanted to be away from them, but I never experienced them the way I do now because most people have their chickens just locked up and they just go in and grab the eggs and bring them back. You guys, all my chickens have names from Fred Sanford to Bubba to Bootsy Collins to <laughs> Betty White. I mean, 
Gladys, wait, my ducks are Gladys ducks, Gladys duck and the pips. I mean, you know, I, will you guys I move over? And I'm sorry, I've got dogs right here and they are wrestling. So you see them. Okay. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I could just keep going on and on. I, I'm, I'm still amazed that I can, we all are layers, right? And I can have the layers of loving animals, loving nature, loving helping people build their businesses, loving taking pictures. And now I can do something with them because these animals create photo ops that are unbelievable. On an average, I might take a hundred pictures a day. Wow. So, and, and with those pictures, I'm developing children's books. So, yeah. yeah. Oh. That's awesome. Yes. So, yeah. When you made the move, how did it, did it? How did it impact your business? Your business did anything change, or were you able to just come on into the satellite realm and the digital air and just do what you do? My business has almost—I had to start turning some things away. My because my goal is to start mm -hmm. working with this land more. I've gotten upset because I've done a lot of hard work for clients and a lot of times they don't pay me. Mm. But when you start doing and working through what your true passions are, that's God showing up, right? Yes. There's no limit to what God will do when you start doing and using the gifts that he has given you. Mm. So mm. even though I've had to turn away some business, Doors have opened that I never even knew there was a doorknob. I never even knew there was a crack because people are watching me on Facebook and there are people that want to get back to the things or are just discovering their passions again. And so from people watching me on Facebook, I've had ladies to say, Sweet, I was even afraid to retire because I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know if I would like my husband spending time with him. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. And so just watching you pivot. So ladies, as far as my business, it's opened doors for me to do so many other things in my business that I didn't even know were going to be possible. So it has taken me more away from sitting behind my computer all the time and grant writing. And, and though I'm speaking less because of COVID, mm -hmm. the business is coming to me in the area where that I desired the most. So don't fear pivoting. Just know that when you start doing what is truly in your soul, mm -hmm. God waiting to show up and show out. And with faith comes finance. Just, mm -hmm. just know it and believe it. Mm -hmm. Don't fear pivoting. That's 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 powerful. That's powerful. That is powerful. I'm amazed the things that just keep happening. I'm truly amazed, and I have to stop and say, but you did say that you are. You know, you are who you said you are. So why am I amazed? So, so you yeah. hit on briefly. You talked about the grant writing, and I remember um, also being invited to be in one of your sessions, and it was so phenomenal. Uh -huh. Can you talk to us a little bit about the generational wealth and establishing the legacy for our families to to, to make sure that we don't lose what's rightfully ours, but then having the wisdom of how to hold up, how to attain it. Well, let me talk about something that's getting ready to happen on April 8th, which is the eclipse. And just over the past two days, I've had four calls with people with land that are now wanting to open their land up for the campers that are coming here through Arkansas. Ladies, just for my tent sites alone that normally garner $25 a night for my tent sites, just for that night, those 10 sites are $130 a night. Okay. And, and so for people here in Arkansas, when that eclipse is coming through, if you're not looking for a way to open up and let people come and camp on your site, even if you don't do it continuously, people are begging for somewhere to pop up tents and their RVs. And so um, that's one thing as far as the land and air property, air property, because I forget the number now, but after the proclamation um, uh, with President Lincoln, we had over, I think, and I'm, the numbers may be way off, but like 30 million acres. And we're now to under uh, uh, 30,000 acres as far as African-Americans because 
so many people once getting the land, then they wanted once once we could migrate into the cities, they didn't want to do the land anymore. They had lived through slavery and all that. So they just sold their land for almost next to nothing that that wasn't stolen. Mm-hmm. And then I talk to people that say, Trita, we've got 130 acres. I, I've never even seen it. It's just sitting there. Why? When I'm coaching everyone else how to utilize this land and do their businesses virtually the same way we all are on right now, they're they're developing these small towns with coffee shops. They are creating big barns that are for events, just like I'm doing here on my land. There are so many opportunities. And so I just coached a, a church here and they had a church that was falling in. The, the, the roof was actually already caved in. And I said, Pastor, you can be getting historical funding. This is a historical church. I just got an email and, and I coached him for a few weeks. We went into pictures at the church. I was telling him different things to say. He sent me the most wonderful email about two weeks ago and says, Sister Sharita, you have been a blessing. We got our grant to rebuild the historical church. And that's right here, just 20 minutes away. You know? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so, but, but, so the, the journey that we're on in our life, no matter how rough it may seem, is leading us to where God has you to be. It's preparation. It's preparation. Yeah. And I even heard it once said that the gifts that we are, that we're sometimes handed are wrapped in sandpaper. So sometimes we're going through things. I mean, I just went through a divorce, you know, thought I was going to lose part of my land. I'll just, but, but when you open that gift after getting so scratched up, you guys, it, it is absolutely phenomenal. And then, you know, you know, then you open a box and then you're like, this too, Lord? And then you open you got another box, you know, and you keep opening these gifts. Ladies, it is unreal. Girl. Like it can happen when you just have faith. When you just Come have on faith. now. Oh, my God. You are oh, talking God. to me today. My God, my God. Oh, my. I, I, so I can hardly stand it. Yeah, because ladies, when you're doing what you love also, I mean, we just had the worst Arctic air here in Arkansas in probably history. I had pipes to burst. Hey, stop it. I was, I'm sorry, ladies. I had pipes to burst. I was without water for 10 days. I mean, literally, I'm using my outhouse again. See, that's, look, at age 14, when I last came here, practice, y'all, practice. <laughs> you know, and, but but when, you're, when, when troubles hit, when you're doing what you love, it's like a car with good shocks. The bumps aren't near as bad because you know it's going to be all right and you don't feel it as bad. And that's why I encourage people, even when I'm doing my business coaching, how can I help you do what you love until you're dirt again? Because when you're doing what you love, because I don't care what we do, you can be living in a palace or you can be homeless. You're doing, there's pros and cons. It's just, how do you deal with it? And my mom always said, Life is 5% of what happens to you and, and 95% of how you deal with it. Wow. We, we have some other questions from some okay. of our, our guests. Uh, okay. Dr. Wright, I just put this one up on the screen. It says, will you be opening up so people can come through and tour and see how you and your family lived in the past? Absolutely. I've got someone coming this weekend. I have campers already coming on a regular basis. I'm listed on, on Hip Camp and also Airbnb. I have seven campsites that I've set up and people said that they would not come. But I, I just had a couple drive from Houston to this little bitty town in Hattieville. Um, and, but, but I'm also writing some grants because my goal is to have the Women's Retreat Center and the youth camps open by August, uh, June 2024. But people come through all the time. I just always say, you know, go to my, can I give my website? Absolutely. I want you to. Okay. My website is philanthropyalliance.org. Philanthropy. And that's P-H-I-L-A-N-T-H-R-O-P-Y. Alliance. A-L-L-I-A-N-C-E.org. And you can just click on camping and you can see what's going on already. Um, but ladies, do you know another reason why I named my organization Philanthropy Alliance? It's because many of us are philanthropists and we don't own the title. We don't, we don't, we don't see mm. ourselves as that. If you are volunteering, Dr. Mm. Wright, like running your, your um, food banks, making a difference in community, volunteering somewhere, mm. even at the church when you are 
um, teaching Bible classes, when you're youth minister, anytime you are giving and making a difference, you are a philanthropist. And people think that philanthropy are only the Bill Gates, the Warren Buffetts. No, look up philanthropy and you will see that that should be in your title, in your bio, and you should wear it. Mm. Wow. Ooh, so how do you help um, HBCUs or have you helped HBCUs? Oh uh, particularly, um, I'm thinking about my seminary. Um, well, oh, I'm sorry. Did I jump in too soon? No, no. I was thinking. You know, go ahead, because it's it's. I'm, I'm. My heart is heavy about my seminary, and uh, it's a struggle because it's hard to get um, a lot of government funding because of the separation of church and state. Well, one of the things is, I always tell people, if you're new at grant funding, do not go after government grants. There's so much other money. Target alone gives over $5 million a week, a week in grant funding. Well, who is this? So, so don't look at government funding when you're new, because that's like trying to write a, a college thesis and you're nine years old. Okay? Mm. There's so much other funding. Billions of dollars go back every year. Now, when, when you're talking about seminary, ladies, just in May, I coached one of the largest um, women, uh, women's group that's under the Universal Foundation for Better Living, UFBL. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just on with them in May and helping them to submit for some grants. Um, I coach seminaries often. Matter of fact, in Kansas City, right there, Unity Village, that's under the UFBL. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, up under their, uh, their Greater Living, oh, what is the group? Les Brown, uh, Agape, all of them are under that. Um, oh, what is there? Um, it, uh, but but UFBL was founded. Um, oh my gosh! Um, matter of fact, uh, uh, touched by an angel. What's her name? Um, the uh, I see a face. Delarice. Delarice was under was under this this uh, congregation. Um, I'm trying to think of her congregation. Um, but uh, like under, uh, it was founded by Dr. Coleman way back in, in like 1975 or something like that. Dr. Dr. Johnny Coleman. So I was just coaching her seminary group uh, just in May. And we were on for about two months with coaching calls. So, and I also do, I also host um, what's called vision casting for pastors to help churches to grow and to do more outreach in their communities. So, but you also mentioned HBCUs. Well, mm -hmm. I developed the, it's called, um, you know how they do the black college tour across the mm -hmm. nation? Mm -hmm. Well, I developed that nonprofit with Dr. Theresa Price and she has helped more than 200,000 African-Americans go to HBCUs. And I developed her nonprofit about, um, actually about 15 years ago. So I've worked extensively in helping students uh, get into the HBCUs. I've trained individuals that are writing for HBCUs, and so, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I flourish in that Thank you. Thank so, Sabrina, let me ask you this. If someone has a non-for-profit or, or has a for-profit business, um, should they consider having a uh, non-for-profit? Is it possible to do the both? Or Absolutely. See, the thing is, is that a lot of people first think that nonprofit means that you can't make a profit, and that's not true. Um, way back over 175 years ago, when nonprofit was written into law, it was called nonprofit because it is a non-stock corporation. And so that was the name they came up with. When, in, when you're doing the work, it is not for profit. You're doing it because you want to make a difference. But that doesn't mean you can't make a profit. Now, for profit and nonprofit, the reason why I recommend that an individual, if you are a social entrepreneur, if you are a philanthropist, think, uh, philanthropy thinking kind of person that's already doing philanthropy and not being paid for it. Uh, for instance, if you're a lawyer across the nation, we have legal aid, right? But people don't realize that legal aid uh, is developed for people to, that can't afford legal services to be able to get free legal services. But those lawyers aren't working for free. They're paid with grants. So I've trained law firms on how to develop their own nonprofit 
That way they don't have to turn those clients away that can't afford them because they can get grants and their for-profit and non-profit can exist in the same office. It's just who you are serving is different. So whether you're a lawyer, a CPA, that you would like to help small businesses with their taxes or with their with their budgeting, you could be a, a one of the ladies I'm helping her to, to uh, she wanted to open a laundromat, but she wants to open it in a low-income community. I said, do you know that that could be a nonprofit? Because I, as a single mom at the end, God prepares you on your journey. I remember being that single mom when I first moved to Los Angeles and I would only go washing once a month because of my income. And I would go in the laundromat with like these four huge black trash bags of clothes. <laughs> Ladies, you know how big those trash bags are. And I dreaded that day, but I drove past probably 10 laundromats to a laundromat that had four televisions around on the walls. My boys could watch the TVs. It, we called it the movie house. The boys would be excited. They're like, mom, we going to the movie house? And no. that's what put in my head that this could be a nonprofit mm -hmm. because you could have tokens for those moms like myself that I could apply to get 30 to $40 of those tokens. Mm -hmm. But the machines can take tokens or quarters, but people think that if something is a nonprofit, somebody that can't afford to pay can't also walk through that door. That's mm -hmm. not true. Not true. Wow. Do you have to have a nonprofit in order the, to This is good information. This, yeah, it is. Ah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Do you have to have a nonprofit to what? To get a grant? In most cases, and that's because grant funders are investors, you guys, just like a regular investor for a for-profit. But instead of the ROI, meaning return on their investment, they're getting their money back plus some more money. In the nonprofit arena, when grant funders give, they want you to be a 501c3 because their ROI, I call it return on impact, instead of them getting money back, they get to see what their dollars are doing. And then the dollars that they've given is a write-off because you are a tax-exempt organization. So that's why most grant funders want you to have your 501c3 status. But there are some funders that don't require it, like when they're giving dollars for artists, for instance, or depending on where you are, like here in this very rural area um, mm -hmm. where they want business development, they will give dollars for a barbershop to start because dollars are there to help also with economic development. And that's why, let me talk about the stimulus dollars. See, people don't realize the stimulus funding that was available all through COVID, those mm -hmm. were grants. And mm -hmm. so when you get stimulus funding, it's grants, but they call it stimulus because it's funding to stimulate the economy. So when people hear stimulus, they don't know that that's a grant. Just like when they do the bailouts for the for the airlines or, or car uh, the, the large car uh, manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Those are grants, but they, they call it bailout money, but it's grants. So people don't see the power of the nonprofit arena because they use different terms when it's mm -hmm. bailing someone out at the larger levels. Mm -hmm. Okay. But for profit. Say that again. I said the, what you call what you called out the the um, corporations, the the car industry. Those are for profit. Yes, um, when an economy is hurting, that's when all those dollars come about to stimulate the economy so it doesn't crash. See, people don't realize that the nonprofit sector is the third largest business sector in the United States. It employs it only employs fewer people then manufacturing and retail, mm -hmm. then it's the nonprofit arena. But people don't know that because all they think about is, oh, you can't make any money. That's not true. Wow. Uh, Sharita, do you by chance have a calendar, um, a calendar set for this upcoming year that you could share with us? Or you can email me and I can make sure that it gets where it needs when you to say go. Calendar, do you mean my calendar of classes or do what 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 kind of calendar do you mean? That's right, because you're wearing all these different hats. <laughs> calendar of classes, definitely, because I know that there are many people um, that are definitely interested in learning how to perfect that skill. Um, I, I actually have two master classes coming up in February. One is for grant writing and one is for nonprofit development if you're ready to develop your nonprofit. Because people think that it takes a year, two years to get your nonprofit approved. I've gotten nonprofits approved in eight business days through the IRS, 14 business days. And so my master classes 
It's one day a week for two hours for six weeks. And at the end of that six weeks, depending on which class you're taking, either your tax exempt documents are completed or your grant proposal is completed. Definitely, definitely would, would like for you to post that as well so that we can share that with our listeners. Yeah. Uh, you already know, you, you are just a wealth of information. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. But I, you know, but I do need you to talk about the she um, hold, hold on a second. They're asking, um, where do they sign up for the masterclass? Is that on your website? Do they go it's to your website? Philanthropy? If okay, they go to philanthropyalliance.org, there's one tab that says grant a masterclass. There's another tab that says nonprofit masterclass. And actually, ladies, I've been running a special since the Martin Luther King holiday, since January 15th. Normally, my classes are 600 and 650. But the special expires tomorrow. If you'll see it on my website, it expires on the 31st. The classes are being offered for 350. Mm. Yeah. And I tell you, it I I went through one of the classes. It was such a wealth of information. <laughs> just said yeah. Well, my goal, see, a lot of people don't realize it's not just filling an application. You've got to learn project development, budgeting, forecasting, collaborative building. And so if, if I don't teach those also throughout the class, I'm teaching you about how to fill in, whether it's the IRS paperwork or the grant application, I'm doing you a disservice because they want to know who are your collaborative partners? Because there's they want to see, are you developing well-rounded programs? You may have this skill set, like me loving animals doesn't mean that I know how to take care of the animals. So my goal is to develop <laughs> relationships with veterinarians. I'm also developing a program to get grants for those low-income farmers so that we they can get vouchers to be able to take animals to the vet instead of putting them down. So when I'm writing a grant, I'm showing those collaborations that I'm developing. So whatever you're doing, you want to think about who else can be a part of this, this great group that's going to make a difference. Like if you're a yoga instructor, you want to collaborate. First of all, I hope if you like children, you could be collaborating with local child care centers because statistics have shown that if you introduce, the earlier you introduce yoga and meditation to children, they grow up to be more well-rounded youth. They have better communication skills. They have better coping skills. It's going to be preventing bullying. So you mm. would show those collaborations. And so it's important to learn how to, you should not be trying to carry all the weight along. Funders want to see collaborations. So, wow. yeah. That's, that's powerful. It makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. You know, ladies, as I'm sitting here, I keep looking out the window. Because see, when you're on a farm, I close up my windows at dark. And I'm like, my chickens are open to the prey right now. <laughs> so I want to say, can I run up and, and shut the door on my chickens? But they're going to be all right. Because I'm like, Lord, Lord, please let my chickens be okay. Ladies, I just lost four of my chickens through this in the past two weeks. But Somebody, my chickens, you know, it's like that, that why did the chicken cross the road, right? And my chickens know they're not supposed to be across the road. So if I walk outside and they're across the street, because it's grazing over there, right? And I say, get, and I start clapping. They look like, oh, she's outside. And they run back across. <laughs> and I was going to town to get some uh, uh, repair things from Home Depot because the pipes were burst. And when I pull up, ladies, my alpha rooster, my longest rooster I've had the longest was ran over in the street. Oh, somebody did that on purpose because for one chickens are fast too it's hard to hit a bird wow. and two everyone knows that my chickens sometimes cross the road and they go slow but there are two vehicles that every time they go past here they speed up but i just prayed wow. and i said lord i said i said let them now have their mind changed about uh, let that have impacted them and that they will be kinder because mm -hmm. you can't dwell on it i can't blame them and and there wasn't a camera there but um so I'm just hoping to not lose any more chickens. So so what we're going to say to you, because we don't want you to lose your chickens and you realize that it's dark, you, you have given us a wealth of information for tonight. And so we're going to pause the broadcast. Our viewing audience, um, just please tell our guest how much it is that you have enjoyed her information and the knowledge that she has poured out. Um, go to the website, sign up for that, um, the master class, especially with that half off special that's running right now, because we want you to take care of the, take care of what has been taking care of you. All yeah. right. <laughs> okay. now, ladies, and again, and so, I mean, 
if you want me to come back on, I'll be back in five minutes. I just really want to shut that door. <laughs> but we it's want up to you. you. To I, shut I, don't that door. I don't know go if I come up there and come back. No, no, you, 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 go, you go shut that it's door. Good. And um, we, we are good. You go shut that door. And okay. we thank you. Um, so I'm going to come off camera and then come us. back? Is that what you want me to do? Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. I don't know yes. how to do come that, but I guess, yes. can you guys do okay, that? Okay, I got you. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yes, wow. Um, wow. What a wonderful, wonderful guest on tonight. Our audience, viewing our, if you've been blessed by our guest on tonight, please, please, please um, put it in the chat. She'll be able to see it later. It makes a difference. And if you want her to come back as our guest, because this has been absolutely fascinating tonight, also um, say that as well. But until um, we are allowed to come back together again, um, have a wonderful evening, have a wonderful night. God bless you and we love you.